it radiated the fact that I see you, you're not a threat, I'm just doing my thing. But I was a little bit spellbound. I think spellbound isn't the word. That's the first question. Did you take a photo? And so it immediately puts you on the defensive because when you say no, you say what didn't happen, you're on the back foot of what's your little story. Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We speak directly to people who've encountered one of Britain's big cats. We also discuss the bigger picture. I'm Rick Minter, and thanks for joining me. Welcome to episode 79 of Big Cat Conversations. We are coming to you in the second half of July 2022. For this edition, we are at last hearing from witnesses across South and Southwest Wales, so it's good to be catching up with that part of Britain with its long tradition of big cat reports. And first up amongst the guests is Kaylee. She is based in the mid-south of the county of David in Southwest Wales, and we're about to discuss an encounter she had earlier this year in March. Kaylee, thanks for coming on. And before this incident, you'd heard about a big cat report, a big cat sighting, I gather, a bit further southwest from you into Pembrokeshire. Is that right? And could you tell us about that? Yeah, that's right. I grew up on a farm. It was quite spoken about that there had been big cat sightings over the years. And I remember growing up and finding extremely large footprints around the lakes that we had on the farm. And there was also my father's best mate at the time had been driving down the lane of the farm and could have sworn that he'd seen a big cat cross the lane in front of him. So these are just all things that we'd heard about growing up. OK. And you took them seriously, did you? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it never worried me, but I just get the sense sometimes when I was younger and we had almost 200 acres We'd have woodland on the farm as well. And um, me and the dog used to go off all the time, you know, from the ages of eight to about 11 into the woods and explore. And sometimes I just get a feeling that we needed to go now. I could never put my finger on it, but it would just come upon me. And the dog seemed to be the same way as well. So it did influence you a bit? Yeah, definitely. When they were reported, when you heard about them, even if it was indirect, what kind of colours did you hear that they were? Always black. Was it referred to as a panther or a big cat or the beast or any particular general name? Big cat and panther, definitely. My dad's friend had described it as a big cat that was panther-like. And you never thought it would happen to you, but it did in March this year. It was the last thing I was expecting. I was on the way to work and... We were quite uh, rural, never in the same place. So I was following the directions from the sat-nav to get out to this place in the morning. And I turned off the main road and headed more through a forest area. And it was quite thickly planted down to my left-hand side. And uh, the dog's on the back seat of the car, as always is, and very alert and watching out for anything that she might see, rabbits, cats. And we'd come around a corner and... Up ahead of me, about 150 yards, was a massive cat. It made me stop, and I actually stopped the car and was just looking at this thing, and it was looking at the car, and the dog 
had clocked it too. So um, with that, it had leapt up into the hedge and disappeared down and into the left-hand side of the forest. You didn't have a dash cam? No, no dash cam. Okay. How long was the sighting for? Maybe 10, 15 seconds. It was quite fast. Did you instantly regard it as a big cat or did you think it was a dog? How did your mind work as you observed it? Straight away, it shocked me. You know, it took me back to things that I've been told in previous years. I never disregarded it, but I I just never thought that it was going to happen to me. So it was instantaneous that that was something that I hadn't seen before, especially not in Wales. You know, it was maybe in a zoo or something, but never in Wales in that natural environment. For a cat to cross the road, at that distance, you kind of don't slow down. You Well, you slow down, but you react to it, but you, it doesn't switch you off instantly and put you into a state of shock. Like this was, yeah, definitely shocking. What do you think it was doing? Was it crossing the road, walking along it, or um, warming itself on the warmth of the road, or what? From what I saw, it was crossing the road and, and then leaped up into the hedge the bank and when I'd gotten closer in the car the cat was the height of the bank and it leapt up it with ease and disappeared rapidly and when I got to the bank the edge of the sill of my window actually reached the height of the bank so whatever it was was tall enough that its back would have been at the sill of my Toyota Yaris. Interesting the dog picked it up so it's looking out as you're driving all the time is it? Yeah, it's a large, large breed dog. If it could have its head out the window the entire time, it would. So, Okay, yeah. And so what precisely did it do and how did it react? That was the thing. If it's a rabbit, a cat, a do- another dog, anything like that, it's usually trying to jump into the front seat to get a closer look or to get a better smell. Um, but this time, I knew she'd seen it because she was locked onto it but she she didn't know what to do she was almost the same as she's ever been meeting a larger animal that she's unsure of so that reinforced it for you presumably yeah definitely there's no other time she's reacted in that way um especially not in the car if it's a rabbit a squirrel she is literally you know i've got to keep her tied in the back so that she doesn't jump into the front and uh, think that she's going to catch it (laughs) Can you give us a as close a description, as detailed a description of the cat as you can, starting with sort of colour and scale? Colour is all black. I didn't see any a glint of any other colour on it. And it was quite a bright morning. It was at least a metre tall from my calculations of the bank and my car window. Its back was almost level with the bank. A metre tall to the shoulders, do you think? To the shoulder, yes. That is quite tall, actually. And lengthwise and tail length, that sort of thing? Compared to a dog, it was hard to say from the distance, but my dog's a German Shepherd and it was way bigger than a German Shepherd. In length? In length, yeah, definitely in length. From where I was, where I'd caught it, it was crossing the road and it was into half of the road. Did you get a, a view of the tail? I just saw that it had a long tail. That was the only thing that I'd seen as it jumped up into the bank. Just the size of it had kind of shocked me. 
I didn't really know what to do. And then it, it jumped up and that was when I noticed the tail then. Any other standout features of it? It had a large head. Just recently, there's been two black cats have crossed my path while I've been driving and neither of them have the size or the magnitude of whatever it was I saw that morning. Would you say it was properly wild and fit and confident and healthy? Yeah, totally. It just moved with ease. There wasn't anything sickly looking about it. It looked confident. The way that it was just striding casually across the road was quite confident. And it looked at me and it didn't seem to be that startled. It just kind of took a glance at me and then carried on along its way. Just looked like it was crossing the road from one block of the forest, crossing the road and going down into the thickest part of the forest. Now, some parts of Wales, especially mid-Wales, mid-South Wales, don't have any deer population. And you're certainly saying this cat was big enough to kill a deer, which is their main diet, if deer are about. Do you know if that area has got deer? Quite possibly. There are quite large estates in the area which would have and still do stock deer. I know of one place within a 15-mile radius that 100% stocks deer there still. And you work in tree-related businesses. Are you aware of deer in the plantations? You know, do you put guards on for deer? In certain areas, definitely we would. Not so much where I work now, but the further into the county you go and the more rural, yeah, there would be more reason for that. Yeah, so there are some deer about then, because in other parts of Wales there can be absolutely no deer naturally, and so you have to think, what are they eating? As well as rabbits and pheasants and pigeons and things, they are going to be needing big prey items, so presumably it is sheep in those situations. Yeah. So what did you do afterwards? I mean, well, how did you feel? You said you were shocked. Any other emotions at at the time and immediately afterwards? Excited, happy. I kind of went through everything, but it was just a good feeling. I'd actually taken a wrong turn in, in my excitement. This lane that I couldn't turn around, so I ended up going up and onto the farm. And I had a chat with a lovely lady up there, and I'd mentioned straight away it was the first thing out of my mouth before I'd even said sorry, I've taken the wrong turn. But I told her about the big cat, and she just reacted totally normal to it, like it wasn't anything of a big deal. And all she said was, I might keep the dogs in for a few days then. So it just felt to me like it was you know something that she'd heard about quite a lot before okay we'll come on to that a bit more later actually did you look up what it might have been what was closest to it in the wildcat species of the world i'd spoken to someone and they said it sounded like a black leopard and that's so that's what i've looked up and i'd say that it was very similar to that i've looked up a few other things and that seemed to be more what i felt i saw Yeah, it seems pretty big from what you're saying. I mean, often they can be more like a Labrador, stretch Labrador. Okay. I think sometimes you can, because people are so bowled over by the sheer mass of them, they can think they're a bit higher than they are. I would say a metre to the shoulders is higher than the norm. Do you think it's possible you could have slightly 
enlarged it in your mind? Definitely. I mean, my dog changes size all the time to me. She's a, she can look a tiny killed up and then, you know, in, in different situations, she looks a totally different dog. So it was first thing in the morning. I was half asleep. I was on my way to work. And I may have got the size warped, but it was, like I said, um, from having two uh, black cats cross my path recently, there's no way that I would have jumped to that assumption if it hadn't have been, you know, massively bigger animal. Whatever height it was precisely, it was still in the league of a German shepherd. Yes, definitely. Presumably, had you been walking, I mean, you say excited. Do you think you'd have been so excited if you'd just been walking up that lane? I don't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't have felt as protected. Yeah, I'm quite glad for mine and the dog's sake that we were in the vehicle. But I am quite keen to get back up there and go for a walk to see if I can find anything. Any signs and things? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just to really suss out the area where I saw it and just get everything straight in my head that that's how I saw it. I just haven't had a chance with work to get back up there at the moment. Yeah, okay. And did you, I mean, did you tell other people and did you decide for tactical reasons not to tell some other people? You know, how did that work out? I don't think I've refrained from telling anyone. And I think the majority of people that I've told, a lot of the people that I know um, are all very much outdoors based. Nobody's been shocked by it and I've even come up with their own stories or have heard things. So it seems to be commonly accepted but not spoken about. And I think the fact that a lot more people are at home now as opposed to going out, we're not kind of having as many encounters. There's more technology now, you know, and there are definitely people out, but the land isn't used the same anymore, I feel. And a lot of the um, footpaths in Wales have actually either overgrown or are totally disused or reclaimed by the landowners. Amongst the people who take it as red or are not shocked and surprised, this is work colleagues and local people very close to this area. Is that right? Those kinds of people? Yeah, that's right. It's family who have lived on the farms for years and work colleagues and just general people that I meet around the place because I was quite excited about it for quite a few weeks. So I was just really keen to hear what other people thought. Is there a general type of reaction in terms of tolerance or intolerance or sympathy or attitude to the cats you picked up? Or does it vary depending on whether people feel they're a potential nuisance or they've caused sheep kills or what sort of things have you picked up? Overall, it's a general tolerance. I mean, we don't hear about that many things here. So I did look up a few stories and I think north of here, there'd been a farm that had had so many sheep killed over so many years. And I could understand then that it's starting to become a bit of a worry, a nuisance to anyone owning stock. But generally, where I'm at, it's been a total tolerance as there just doesn't seem to be that much fallout from it. And it's actually quite uh, exciting for people, I think, to hear about it. Do you think people keep it quiet tactically because they don't want interference with their land and they don't want interference with the animals themselves? 
There could be a lot of that. I mean, a lot of the farmers like to keep, you know, their land and separate. Um, and I definitely know that from growing up on the farm over the years that it would have been kept more on the quiet than to kind of shout it from the rooftops. So, yeah, it's definitely something that would draw a lot of unwanted attention to, I think. In the follow-up discussions you had with people, the reports back to you, were they black or did you get any other colours reported? Always had black. Yeah, never tan-coloured, never the mountain lion type or, or never lynx type. No, I haven't, I haven't heard that. No, always black in the stories that I've heard. Usually on farms or on farmlands or animals had been left in a way that couldn't be described. Okay, in carcasses, you mean? Yeah, maybe the cat hasn't been seen itself, but it's left carcasses that have wounds to it that can't be described by anything else. If there was some kind of policy or programme to try and catch up with these animals and eradicate them, either by trapping them and removing them or dispatching them, what would you feel about that? And what do you think other people would feel about that that you've talked to? For me personally, I'd be opposed to that. I just feel they are more private than they are in our lives and interfering um, and everything kind of wants to stay away from us. So I believe as long as it's not posing an immediate risk to children or their safety or, you know, coming too close to civilization then. But everything that I've ever heard of has been caught a glimpse of out rural, in the wild, well away from everything, minding its own business, and usually quite quiet. So, yeah, I don't think that there would be any need unless it's begun posing a danger to people. How much has it influenced you in terms of that excitement? To what extent has it influenced you? Yeah, it's hard to say. I'd love to go up there um, and have a look around. And if I encountered it again, I, d- I don't know. Maybe I'd take a quite a big stick with me or something. I'm not, I'm not sure. It never puts me off, you know. It never puts me off to go back and have a look. And also, it would be great for me to have that um, affirmation that that's exactly what I saw that day. I feel quite lucky that I've seen what I've seen and, yeah, I think it would be amazing to see the same thing again. What do you think your dog would make of it if it was out with you walking and saw it and it wasn't on the lead? Would it? Do you think it would stay with you and um, be submissive and cower and, and be concerned or do you think it would chase and follow up? Because different dogs react differently. I think if it was as confident as it was that day, she her prey drive really kicks in if something kind of takes one look at her and bolts it the other direction. So that's where I've kind of got to watch her. But if it was as cool and as confident as what I saw that day, I think she'd stick by my side. I don't think I think she'd be looking to me for a response. Has it surprised you in terms of hearing other reports and sightings? how relatively commonplace the acceptance is of this? I remember feeling that it was commonplace when I was growing up on the farm and nobody was ever really that startled by it because of the myths and legends and all the stories that had gone round over the years. I didn't speak about it for a long, long time and it's not something that as we moved away from the farm and all kind of went our separate ways, it's not something that's ever been brought up again. But I wasn't shocked either to see that it's kind of still 
it, it just feels a part of our history and a part of almost like the folklore of this area. So it doesn't really seem shocking. And I don't think it has been shocking to anybody that I've spoken to. I had to visit the area you're talking about once in a while, probably you know several times over three or four years. And I got to hear about sightings, you know, from, from meeting the people I was meeting about a completely different other subject and, you know, going into the pubs and everything. I totally agree with what you'd say because I associated Big Cat sightings with that area. It just yeah. seemed part of the brand, part of the image, if you like, albeit fairly low key. Isn't it funny how it becomes a sort of modern bit of folklore? It's just passed down through generations. If it's not spoken about that commonly within conversations anymore, but it, it has been just spoken about and you have just heard these stories over the years. So you just become accustomed to it. It doesn't seem shocking, but to see it, to tie that with that story that you've heard your whole life is something else that's quite special. Very good. Well, thank you so much for getting us going for South Wales. Anything finally you'd like to say that we haven't covered before we sign off, Kayleigh? We've had some really strange sightings of things around here. And I think there's like raccoon dogs um, recently. People are aware that there are other animals around the place. Yes, that get dumped. Yeah, yeah. I do uh, power line surveying as well. So we get right into the crux of all back of beyond areas. And one of my old friends who's been doing it for a lot longer than I have, he tends to really get some gems of stories and I called him up and he's spoken to numerous farmers over the years and he's been down some beaten track in the middle of nowhere and they've all said that they've seen things passing through there so um yeah I need to get out there now and put up some um, trail cams maybe the crossing point that road yeah if that's a crossing point for it that would be a good point because you've got you've got to think where's it going to go again where's its route where we were working one day, one of the guys, this is quite a rural area as well, and it's um, surrounded by woodland and it's a big lake or reservoir. One of the guys is up in this massive tree and he's found an entire lamb's leg. Yeah, so we had no idea how it had gotten up there. Um, never seen that before. Possibly a bird of prey, but yeah, I was just thinking um, maybe it's worth a mention, but it was just really something unusual. One of the final reflections I have from this conversation and from knowing pretty much some of this area you're talking about, Kaylee, is this is pretty remote and not very well visited. This really is off the beaten track. And this is sort of forestry and remote farmland and common land and big bits of moorland. It's not a well-known or well-visited part of Wales, is it? No, and all the footpaths are overgrown. People just aren't out utilising the countryside like we used to. We've got some tourist hotspots, but in between is a lot of kind of no-man's land where not many people are in connection with it any longer. Much activity of a big cat in the area would go unseen by anybody anyway because it's so remote and so unpopulated. We've come across entire farmhouses and farmyards that are totally overgrown and nobody even knows that they're there any longer. So that's quite a common thing in this area. There's just so much unexplored and lost to the wilderness. Okay, very good to hear from you, 
Kayleigh, thanks for getting us started on our journey into different parts of South Wales. We're going to go a bit further east for our next report. Thank you very much for being on Big Cat Conversations. Thank you very much. Next up on the show is Adam. And Adam is based in pretty much mid-South Wales, in the valleys, in the Rhonda area. We're going to be hearing about an incident in Adam's local area, and it was this year, end of January, beginning of February. So, Adam, welcome to the show. Evening, how are you, Rick? Okay? Yeah, thank you for coming on at short notice, Adam. It's so good to be catching up with some South Wales reports. And the usual question we ask people first off is, was this a complete surprise to you in terms of your awareness of big cats? Had you ever sort of read anything about big cat sightings or heard anything locally, heard any gossip, and did you have a view on it before this incident? Yeah, so I have heard of a few incidents, but I've never looked into it myself and unless you see it with your own eyes. Well, <laughs> you never know if, do you know what I mean? You just never know. So, Would you have said you were a sceptic or open-minded before this happened or, or a believer based on what you'd heard? I would say I was a, a little bit sceptic, but a believer as well. Um, I've got a few mates who do, do a bit of rabbiting, who've said a few different things, seen a few different things. But again, you know, unless I've seen it with my own eyes, <laughs> it's just one of those things you just never know. I go fishing a lot. I've been around. I do a few different types of things. And, you know, you do hear a few odd stories over different places. But again, until until you see it with your own eyes, it's hard to believe they're around. Yeah, well, please take us through what happened. Obviously, we'll ask lots of follow-up questions, but what was the gist of uh, the incident? Me and my mate, we'd been out walking for about two hours, two and a half hours, chatting, sat down, and then I'd say a maximum of like 100 yards opposite us is a road, lots of cover, like fern. It was a field, and we just sat there chatting. The dogs were normal, you know, everything was normal, and then, I seen something with a glint, glimpse of my eye, and I said to my mate, bloody, bloody, sorry to swear, I'm bloody hell, look at that sheepdog. And he was like coming down the road on his own. It was, like, it was just an odd place to see a dog on his own at first, that's what I thought. But it was like crouched down and like sniping, if you know what I mean. Um, like if a sheepdog was working, and there's sheep in that around that area as well, and it's a little small olden, so nothing to think any different of it. And all of a sudden, it just, it ran, and it, it just went for a sheep. And the sheep turned and like looked stunned and went to run. The cat went into the cover. Well, see, <laughs> it was a cat and it went in the cover. And me and my mate looked at each other and it was like, that was a cat. You could see just the way it, it moved. It was a cat and it was big. <laughs> I've got a Neapolitan Mastiff and they're quite tall, but they're longer the more they are tall. So I get to see it. my dog 80 yards, 90 yards, 100 yards. And you get to know a scale, if you know what I mean. And it was, yeah, it was a cat. And... It was a cat, and it nearly took the sheep. That wasn't like the end. Me and my mate was like, what the hell? Like, you know, you know, it was still in the cover. We didn't know where it was because it was quite sick. And then all of a sudden, a car pulled up just on the other side of the cover. This cat came out, went to take the other sheep. They shut the door of the car, and it ran back up over the fence, up the field, straight over a big stone wall, and that was that, and it was gone. <laughs> and we seen all of it. And it, it was just a bizarre moment. It was... It was bizarre. That car then, that was just totally random, coincidental, and they knew nothing about what was happening. They wouldn't have had a clue what was going on about 20 yards max to the side of them. And that was the mad thing, do you know what I mean? 
The cat was disturbed by that car. Yeah, it, it was going to take a different sheep. When they shut the door, it must have disturbed it, and it cut, and it went. It just ran back over like a barbed wire fence, up the field, and then over a big stone wall back into the into the wood. You sound mental when you say it, don't you? And like, I haven't told many people. Me and my friend, and it was like no one would believe us. So I told a few guys in work, and they was like, yeah, and it was you know just cracking jokes. Or I've never said anything since. I've told my partner, and she just thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> but I know what I saw. Yeah, it's so out of context for them. And the best part is as well, my mate seen it. He would be in the note to know what a cat would look like like that. And it was like it was just one of their moments. It was like that was that. <laughs> and it lasted for about a minute and a half. It was there for about a minute and a half. It was in the cover. And then it just come back out. And this house is like hundred yards away. But all the forestry has been cut down at the back of the field. And I have seen a deer up there before, deer carcass, when we was out on the bikes, me and my mate, about 18 months ago, two years ago. It could have been an absolute coincidence. Seeing a cat didn't even enter my head. It was just, it was a dead deer, you know. It was an afterthought. It could possibly have been there for, for a long time, and no one knows. You never know. So, But I am a bit weary walking the dog now in the evenings across it. I was going to ask you about deer versus sheep as prey. So there is deer around you. Any big cats like that one could be predating deer then? Well, since that have happened, right, um, I used to work for a company in Port Talbot, which it sounds far away from where I'm working, but up over a mountain, it's not that far. I used to ride bikes up there. And there's a good deer population down that way. And like where they've cut the forestry down, I just think they're just being more exposed, if you know what I mean. They're being pushed out, and then obviously whatever's hunting them is there behind them, maybe. I've never seen them up there in the last... 10 years really it was only like about 18 months ago that was the only time I've, I've seen it do you know what I mean was that an eaten out deer carcass I didn't even look at the time you know I that would never have entered my mind in a million years it was just a rotten deer carcass it could have just been a coincidence I'm not sure I'm just putting one and two together if you know what I mean back to this incident and what happened how alert were the sheep to the danger they didn't even know, I don't think. They didn't even know it was there. It came down the road about 40 yards, 50 yards, we watched it. Sniped down the road and then just run, and it was like, bloody hell, I was, you know, sorry to swear again, that was fast. It, that was fast. And it was just the way it moved, you know. I've got a big dog, and it doesn't move like, <laughs> it doesn't move like that, I mean, it just doesn't. You know, big strides, and it, and. It was going to take the sheep out in front of us. The sheep were just scarled the first time and seen it and pounced, and then the cat just changed direction. and It stayed in the cover, so it must have wanted to take it again. A minute and a half later, out it came the other side. The car shut the door. The cat turned round, and it was going to go for the other sheep. Do you think it came there with the intent of stalking and taking down a sheep, or did it look like it was sort of walking that direction, saw the sheep, and so took the opportunity? How calculated do you think its action was? To be honest, first of all, like I said, I thought it was a sheepdog. Just the way it was like, you know a sheepdog when you see it working and it's like led down and it's like it's sniping, if you know what I mean? Oh, right, yeah. And that was how we first seen it. And then, like I said, it just ran and it pounced for about 40 yards. It was close. It was close to taking it. It would have been one hell of a thing to see, but, you know, it, it missed. It was, it was just... 
it was big. It was big <laughs> and it was fast. The length of the rush, you know, when it decided to actually get up and go for the spring at the prey, that was about 40 yards, was it? Yeah, 40 yards, maybe 50. And the, the thing is, right, the sheep wouldn't have seen it coming because it was running down the side of a road which has got a fern bank on it. Where it cuts in and comes up over, there's like a big open piece of grass. And I sound mental. That cat. No, you don't. That cat could have seen it from 100, 200 yards up above and thought the best I route down is down. Do you know what I mean? I never seen it coming down that way. I just seen it on the side of the road, which I mistaked it as a sheepdog at first. But when it got up and ran, it was clear what it was. I'm 100% sure what I saw. And my mate is as well. <laughs> but when you tell people, they, they just don't believe it. So it had good vantage from the gradient it was going down. It, it could see the prey, but the prey couldn't see it, and it presumably knew that. It's on the side of a mountain. The forest is a big forest up above with a field. You know, I'm not saying it come out of there. I'm just assuming that's where it would have come from, down the field. And at first, it won't probably seen him come down to the road and then cut back in to catch it where it couldn't have been seen coming, if you know what I mean. That's just assuming, but what I seen it do was it was like crawling down the road a little bit. You just wouldn't think to see it on a road. I said again, you know, and I had the perfect view. Me and my mate, we was like hundred yards, and it was like a valley where we were stood. If we was on the one side of the valley, and I know I know a valley sounds far away, but they're tight at the bottom, and they, if you know what I mean. And I'm talking like eighty to hundred yards, and like I said, I've got a mastiff. I see him running, you know, 80, 90, 100 yards with my other dogs. I got a good scale on her size of what, what it was, and it was just bizarre. It was bizarre. It was lovely to see. Yeah, in terms of the, the sheep, the other ones around, did they react? There was no other sheep in that field. There's just a couple of horses in there, and a couple of rabbits. You see the odd wild rabbit in the field. That's all that's in there. I've never seen sheep in that field. These were just two random sheep down the road, and they was just there on the side of the road, and it was... They'd wandered off from a flock somewhere. That's not unusual where I live. I see sheep out all the time. That's just normal in, in Wales, in the valleys, if you know what I mean. Just vast areas where they can go, yeah. Now, you had dogs with you, you told me, before we came on air. Did they react? Did they see this or sense this? Or No, they didn't even have a clue what we was looking at, to be honest, because like, we were sat on the bench and the dogs were just being dogs, just smelling round. You know, It was too far away for them to even see it, to be honest. Can we get to a description of the animal scale in proportion to a dog, any of that sort of stuff? It was jet black. That's all I could see from that distance. You know, it was jet black, roundish head. I've got a mastiff, I have, and he's got a long tail, which, like, curls up. It was longer than other tail was. It was, like, 100 yards away, but you could just see what it was, the shape of it. I'm going to say about the size of an Alsatian, maybe. Maybe a, lab a big Labrador, but longer. But longer, um, I've got a Neapolitan massive, so I go back to it again. But he's a lot longer than what he is tall, but he's a big dog. And it wouldn't have surprised me if it had been around that size. Not maybe as, as chunky or whatever, but maybe a bit longer in length. Did you go on, on the web or in reference books or anything or on Google Images to sort of check it against classified, you know, known species? You haven't checked it against black leopards, have you? It's the proper term. I would say it's melanistic, if, if that's what I've been looking at. Um, yeah, and I would say that's what it was, 100%. Um, a melanistic leopard, you think? Yeah, 100%. Just the way it moved, and yeah, just the way it moved. 
I'm not a big cat expert on anything. I'm far from it. I've just watched TV programs and been to a few zoos in there. And I know what I saw. My mate would stand here and tell you exactly the same. He knows what he saw. <laughs> now, did you think at all to, in the moment, to get your phones out? I, I took two photos. I don't look after my phones, and the camera is, isn't the best on them. And I took a photo, and you just couldn't see what it was. It just looked like a blur. And I said to my mate, I said, have a look, what do you think? And he was like, that's how much time we had to see it on the road, if you know what I mean. It was there for a good 30 seconds before it, it went, you know. It didn't look like nothing on the phone, to be honest. So, And I said to him, do you want them? He said, no. And I said, oh, I'll delete them. I said, no, we're going to see them. And we deleted them off. Because it was too far away? It was too far away, yeah. But like 100 yards it isn't far away for a human eye neither, if you know what I mean. If you showed someone, and you see it on social media, people say, oh, that's not that. I'd rather just be happy with what I saw and I know what I saw. And if no one believes it, well, no one believes it. It wasn't going to influence anybody a blob. No, I like my mate was exactly the same. I like we're into our wildlife. We're always out walking the dogs and see different things, but that's one thing you just don't expect to see. <laughs> Within the event, how long did it take you to think to get your phone out to try taking a picture? When it started running. Because until that point, I just thought it was a sheep dog or something going to run down and get a sheep or a dog after the sheep, to be honest. But then when it went, you know, you could see, <laughs> you could just see it was, you know, what it was. And just the way it moved. I was going to say, what do you think are some of the standout features? Well, again, I can only go off my dog. I've never seen big cats hunt in the wild or nothing. But, you know, like when a dog stalks and it tries to be quiet, but it's clumsy, where a pet cat is clever. Right? And if you watch it move, it was like that, but just big. Did the tail move before it went to... Yeah, well, you know when it gets up, so it's like... I had to get excited because obviously you can't speak to no one about it and all of a sudden I can tell you everything I saw, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. When when it like got up, it was like you just knew what it was going to do, if you know what I mean. Again, I got animals and you can read what they're going to do, can't you? And it was like just the position and it, it just went. It was purposeful as well, the way it, you know, it knew what it was doing. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but did the tail start flickering uh, and wavering before it did the main rush? Well, you know, when it was on the floor, obviously I couldn't, I couldn't even see the tail at that point, to be honest. I just, it was just the way it was led. I just thought, and because it was like low down, like sniping again, like a sheepdog, that's how I can only refer it back to for a reference. Like when I've seen them work, it was like that. And then it just it went, you know, it gets to it. I sound mental. It gets to a position where it's like ready to pout, ready to do something, and then it just runs, and then that's when you could see it. Then and like just the way it moved, and like the way it went up the grass, because we had a better angle when it was going on the grass, and because it was bright green behind, the black stands out a little bit. If you know what I mean. Other people said that, yeah. You could just see what it was. My dog's tail is about two foot, right, and it was it was longer than that. And you could see the tail from that distance. You could work it out from that distance. Hundred percent. Adam, what time of day was it, incidentally? It was in the evening. It was about around half five, five o'clock. It was pretty much getting dark. You gotta remember it's winter times then, so it might even have been about half four or five. Dusk anyway. Yeah. It's like I've walked up there, I don't know, every single day. 
you know, up and down for years and years and years and years. And then one day, I, like, I've been asking my mate to come over walking for ages, and he's he always got an excuse. He's one of their mates here. But if you go and pick him up, you'll walk anywhere else. And this day, it was just luck of the draw. He come over, and we both seen it. <laughs> one of their best mates' experiences. One of our standard questions is, and I think you sort of answered it, but did it seem properly wild, fit and healthy and not a sort of recent released one, a recent escaped one? And how fit and naturalised, I suppose, did it appear? Well, I've never seen another one hunt in my life, right? So, But what I did saw, and I have seen animals, you know, animals run and I've seen dogs chase rabbits and stuff and just the way that it was fit, it was healthy. They knew what he was doing and he was going to take a big prey. You know, a sheep is a, it's quite a big animal, you know. In terms of the, the first one, uh, it not making the first one, in what way did it not accomplish it? Again, I'm just assuming, right? But, like, the sheep turned. You know when it got close, and I mean close, like like 15, I was far away, 15 to 20 yards, I would say. The sheep turned, and I looked at it, and, like, it just went to run, if you know what I mean. And, and the tat just changed direction. I don't know why. I don't know. But it went in the cover, and then, like I said, we were sat there having a chat, and, you know, you can imagine our conversation. It's like, what the, you know, hell? And, like, he was like, that was a cat. And I didn't say that first. That was my mate. And he was like, that was a cat, wasn't it? And I was like, I don't know what else it could have been, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, it, it had to have been. It aborted the rush at the sheep because the sheep surprised it in the way it ran off, do you think? Yeah. Well, it must have been a lucky sheep. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. It just turned at the right time. And I don't know why it changed direction. There was nothing near it. No cars or near at the time. Until about a minute later, a minute and a half later, then our other car came. But at that time, then see, the cat had gone through the cover and come out the other side because the other sheep didn't really see it, if you know what I mean, because there was only two there. And then as it went to go for the next one, a car pulled up and slammed the door and it, it just changed direction. It was more than probably 10, 15, 20 yards away from the second sheep when it came through the cover. We had the perfect view with it. It couldn't have been any more perfect, if you know what I mean. It's one in a million, isn't it? You know, it I have heard of stories, I've heard of a few where possibly I might believe and a few which I wouldn't believe, if you know what I mean. I don't know why, but that's just how, you know, I know certain people who, you know, who've got farms and stuff and like you hear things over the years, but it's hearsay, you know, it, it was never nothing I've looked into. And I do a lot of fishing, I go a lot of places, see a lot of things, but never in a million years did I ever think, you know, one would... <laughs> be in front of my eyes anyway in the, in the UK but you know it's nice to see eh? Emotionally you know how do you feel about it Adam it sounds like you're feeling pretty positive Well yeah I wouldn't have no reason you know something could happen you know it could possibly take someone or do something but I think if you left them alone and I don't think it would be a lot of trouble I don't you know I don't think they want anything to do with us it's just we're cutting it cutting forest down and I think we're exposing them a little bit you know or they're just appearing from somewhere or something you know they're getting disturbed and dispersed a bit. Maybe the deer prey are as well. That's, you know, because the deer must be the mainstay of the prey if they've got um, supply of deer. Yeah, 100%. And like, since that scenario, I have watched a lot of, you know, a lot of your stuff and a lot of other stuff, you know, just to see what people have said. It just makes it even more solid proof, you know, that other people do see stuff and there's no reason how they couldn't live in Wales or anywhere in the UK, really. In terms of you were saying that most people you've spoken to have scoffed at you, 
Do you think because people often meet that reaction, people who have got credible sightings and, and encounters tend to keep it to themselves, especially farmers and landowners and foresters and people who are out in the countryside a lot who may have seen one? What do you reckon on how guarded people are? Well, some people in the UK have never seen a badger. Some people have never seen a fox, you know. I like that kind of thing, you know, a deer or... I just like that. I just think it's nice to see in the wild that when you're out walking and, again, I got I know people who've got farms and I grew up around farms. You just see things in the valleys. Do you know what I mean? Some people have never seen them, you know, so if they've never seen a badger, you know, the chances of them seeing a cat, you know, you just wouldn't know it was there, I don't think, would it? Amongst witnesses, amongst good witnesses, do you think some witnesses keep it quiet anyway and that's why you don't hear much? I would say so, yeah, because, like, obviously... You can imagine, all my mates are rowdy, lovely boys, all rowdy, but you can imagine 15, 20 of us why come up with our story. <laughs> They'd be taking a mix for a long time, wouldn't they? But again, my other mate Gavin was there, so... Amongst your friends and colleagues and mates and everything, doesn't the fact that the two of you have got consistent reports of it, doesn't that influence people? The fact that two of you have got consistent stories must count for something, doesn't it, amongst a lot of your mates? 100%. I just think it's a man thing, not being sexist, but even with women, unless you see something with your own eyes, that's what I just think, unless you see it with your own eyes, and the same with people, unless someone's done something to believe, I don't believe anything what I see, unless I, you know, what I've seen is what I've seen. I think that goes with a lot of people. They don't have a little bit of doubt, some people are dead against it, but some people, if they was honest, would say possibly, you know, possibly. Are they also influenced by your conviction, you know, the fact that you're sticking to your guns? They can sense you're emotionally charged by it. You know, that must count for something, I would have thought, as well. My friends think I meant that anyway. Like, I'm just a ball like a happy person. And it's just one of those things for me. If they believe me, they do. If they don't, they don't. But then, like I said, a couple of my friends, they got rabbit in. And one of my friends, one that was lamping for rabbit on a local farm and him and his father and they let their dog go and they come back over the field and it it, it never done that before do you know what I mean and they reckon it couldn't have been nothing else just went and then it was a bit of commotion and they couldn't see anything and they come back come back running and it had a couple of marks on it and stuff at the time there was only rabbits in that field you know that they were aware of that they was aware of you do hear of stories around the valleys, and I, I know another guy who was a taxi driver who's seen one. So he said, again, a genuine person who you would believe if he told you, do you know what I mean? And how has this influenced you in, in terms of you fishing and walking? And It doesn't bother me, but in the back of my mind, my dog comes everywhere if I go fishing, he's with me. So if anything happened, I think you would pick up on it first, you know. I would just carry on as normal because I think. It doesn't want nothing to do with you, really, does it? I, I wouldn't think, you know, if we had a little dog, possibly, and if it was injured or whatever, I think it possibly could go for it. But I would assume if it was fit and healthy, it would, wouldn't want anything to do with us, really. I think, because otherwise, wouldn't it be seen every day? Because I was a kid, they'd just come down into the towns and take people, wouldn't they? And... What about in terms of you being alert i mean you're obviously being a fisherman and an outdoors person you must be pretty alert and notice things anyway but has it charged up your senses even more and are you hoping to see one again it only happened once in 39 years so the chances you know another 39 years but no it doesn't affect me but sometimes when i'm walking in the evenings across it in the same place i do have a little check back now and again but you know like when you have one of them moments you're like 
just have a little look, but no, I don't think it would never affect me, I don't think. That was nice what I seen, but if it happens, it happens, but I wouldn't you know, I'm not out looking for them or nothing. If I see one, it'd be a really nice thing to see. I, I like stuff like that. Like I said, one time in 39 years. Are there some people you deliberately wouldn't tell because you'd think that if they believed you that they might go out and try and shoot it and be a danger, you know, in the local area? Are there some people you wouldn't tell just because you don't want them to know about it? Yeah, I think there's definitely idiots around who would... People do that with all different type of animals. And, you know, I fish and I fish. But I always put my fish back. I don't eat fish. It's not for me. I put them back. And the same same with birds. When I, you know, I've done a bit of shooting. I've shot rabbits, but I would eat them, right? I would eat them and I would make a use of them. But I just don't see the point of, you know, there's not many of them about, so why would any, why would you want to shoot? Yeah, it's just, it's just not for me. Some people are like that, aren't they? But, well, everybody who I bother with, I don't think they would ever do. I think most people who I grew up walking with and my friends who I bother with, just part of an ecosystem, isn't it? You know? And I think a lot of people would say, you know, if they could see one for as far away as what I did, and, you know, 100 yards and had a perfect, why wouldn't they want to see that? That's what I would think. Just imagine there was like, you know, a thousand of them in Wales. I think you would have trouble, you know, if in a, in a small area. But you know, if there was ten, fifteen, or twenty, even if there was various amount, you know, various different breeds of cats, you know, in small numbers, like I think it could work. They tend to regulate and disperse well. Anyway, it's not like herbivores, like deer or boar, in you know the way their populations can rocket sometimes. Do I believe is a few out there? Yeah, I've seen, you know, what I've seen, I believe there's some out there, how many are only going off what I've watched. I'm not sure, you know, but it seems a lot of people see things. Some of it, again, you know, some I see on social media. I don't, I don't believe people, but I just think I have no evidence to show anyone. Any of me and my mate was there. Like I said, we took a rubbish photo. You couldn't see nothing. It wasn't credible enough, but I'm just happy with what I've seen. So you, you're not going on social media? You've just kept your head down. Well, I put on social media. I joined a, a big cat group that night. <laughs> I think it was on the next day just to see, because I thought I was going mad. It was one of them things that I know what I seen, but then was I seeing things? Am I hundred percent sure? And it was like it, it was. I have no doubt. You know, it was just it was, I just put doubt in my mind that me and my mate did. But you know, as we was walking on, we was quite buzzing that we seen. Now we didn't stop talking about it, <laughs> and it was like. Yeah, no one's going to believe us. And we said that. Like I said, I went to work the next day, told a couple of guys. What kind of reaction did you find on social media, on Facebook? Well, some girl messaged me from part of the Brecon Beacons. Um, I can't think of the area anyway. She was telling me a few of her stories and I told her what happened. And then I think it was Matthew then messaged me actually and we was having a chat and then he told me about a story that would happen down in Avon you know, about 15, 20 miles or 30 miles even if where the crows flies over the mountain. I think it was a fireman and he's seen somewhat. And did you find that helpful? Yeah, you know, they seem genuine and their stories seem right and what they explained to me and what I explained, it was similar as in what they've seen. So you've heard stories from Newport in the papers, yeah? Yeah, in a place called Cumberland Scenic Drive. Some woman said her dog got attacked by one, and it was in the South Wales Argus again, as it was a newspaper, and it could be. 
cats do get sighted, so it, you know it wasn't like if I'd never heard of anything before. If you knew that somebody was trying to shoot it and do away with it, what would you feel about that? No, that that's not for me, Alan. To be honest, I just think the only time there would be issues, um, just to say there is like a healthy amount of cats around. You know, you know, if they got out of hand and started getting to hundreds and people was getting attacked and stuff. I think they would definitely have to be somewhat done. But uh, again, there should be places where, why wouldn't you really summon, put them in a lot, you know, and control a deer population or use them to our benefits and, and tourism again, you know. I think if there's a, a certain amount which could be credited for and perhaps tracked or whatever, I think it's a nice thing. It's interesting that there have been sightings for decades in South Wales yeah it hasn't got really much of a a brand and an image and a reputation for big you know nationally it's like a lot of people know it but they just keep it quiet and they don't want it to be known more widely do you think there's a bit of that amongst some people as well yeah 100% 100% I think people who have had experiences in South Wales there's a lot of areas where people walk and a lot of people walk in areas and nothing have ever happened perhaps Let's just say out of 100 people, two or three people might have seen something. Would they say anything? I, I don't They would. They more probably walked in a million times through their lifetime, lots of local people. And if nothing's happened, just let it be, I think. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of that happens elsewhere as well. Yeah. Whereas I think if you had, um, no offence, like if you had idiots out just shooting them and stuff like that and injuring them and putting them in a position where they had to go for easy targets, well, that's when things could go wrong. You'd have to be very patient and very disciplined and a brilliant tracker, I think, to actually manage it. And that's what the advantage these cats have. They're so stealthy. I could have walked past one a hundred times in my lifetime up there. And it could have been ten yards from me or a hundred yards or Or though as you say, your dog might sense one. Hundred percent. I think if you've got a dog with you and it's close by, I think it would go for a dog, <laughs> to be honest, if you put it in a position. Or it would bolt, wouldn't they? I think it depends on the situation. And if our dogs were vulnerable at night, I think, which, of course, they're not, really, by and large. Yeah, you see the odd person walking in the night with an air torch on, but have anyone been killed by a cat in the UK? No, there has been people who say they've been attacked by them, and possibly, yeah, they could have. And some people have got marks from them. I just think that's just the wrong place at the right time. <laughs> You stumbled up on it or whatever. I don't think it's like personally hunting you unless it was a kid, maybe, possibly. I, I'm not sure. I wouldn't like to say, but I would assume we would. If he was making noise, he would stay away from you, just like a fox or a badger or a deer. If you make a noise, they would, they would scarper, I think. Yeah, well, it's been brilliant hearing this, um, Adam. It's a great encounter. We don't often hear, that, hear of them seen pursuing their prey. As you say, very lucky vantage you had. Thank you for sharing it on the podcast and getting us going into South Wales, which is long overdue. But anything else you'd like to say before we close off? It's been good to have a chat and to speak to someone who, you know, who believes it. Yeah, well, it's the, it's the purpose of the podcast, really, so we can share it and discuss it and learn from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode three was at last time we had a Black Panther scene, you know, going for sheep by the witness. So uh, if people haven't heard that one, that is worth listening to about halfway through episode three from Exmoor. On that one, there were two of them. They isolated a sheep and uh, a lamb from a flock of them. Is that so much more like 
teenage cubs maybe do work as a pack like that if they like separated from their mother or something so yeah that could have been a mother and daughter or it could have been two young ones working together before they became fully independent difficult to say they seem to be two you know adult size ones from the witness description anyway but yeah that is rarer but um, just shows you it can happen and how old would they be then if they, um, sorry to ask you questions, <laughs> how old would they be if they left their mother then? Is it about a year old, 18 months, or is it longer? Become independent 18 months to two years. And then they're often solitary. You know, they might cooperate for a bit, especially when they're younger, they'll uh, have a smaller territory shared with mother perhaps for a while before they strike off and find their own sort of home range. I've watched a lot of the documentaries that have been in the UK I seen one in the Forest of Dean, which was a, a clip, and I, and I think that's the one which I thought that was a, a cat. It's a perfect area. Again, I, fi- I fish up Monmouth quite a lot, and around Simmons Yacht. It's perfect. You know, there's boar there. There's, there's a lot of deer. A friend of mine was at a big family gathering a couple of weeks ago, and he wore a hoodie with the branding of podcast on Big Cat Conversations, and he said he had 12 people at that gathering. There's about 150 people. This was in the Forest of Dean. Twelve people come to him during that evening and talk to him about cats full on. And, that you know, they were witnesses or friends or family who had a witness and wanted to talk to him because they saw Big Cat Conversations logo on somebody's shirt, basically, and, and wanted to spill the beans about their sighting. So, yeah, Forest of Dean is a good area. Yeah. And, like, I, I have heard a farmer, we were talking, I was a kid then, like, 18, 19, and, like, I didn't really believe what he was saying at the time, and he reckoned he'd seen someone up a tree, like a dead sheep up a tree. He was telling us before it was a story, and I was like, yeah, you just would never believe it. But possibly, no, you know, no, I've seen what I've seen, and I've looked into it, and it's like, possibly. But do you think they would have been released when the licence part came in? I think before and after that, I don't think it was just 1976 legislation when the licensing became enforced and it was more expensive and onerous to keep them in a private captivity. I think wartime, the first releases probably came at wartime because they're strict meat eaters. So wartime meat rationing would have been um, very difficult to have to keep a collection of them. So I think they got out then. I don't think it was all one episode in 76. I think Afterwards, there was a Zoos Act in 81, which clamped down on ramshackled zoos and you know wildlife parks and that sort of thing. But also things like, I've had about six or seven reports of people having them as guarding animals, like a sort of heavy-duty guard dog sort of thing. And people in the scrap metal business, some of those people are fairly sort of lawless. You know, they're not bothered by regulations and things and do everything informally. So I think there's a lot, you know, a lot of reasons why. And, you know, some of them are just traded, you know, come across on boats and illegal wildlife trafficking. Some guy I work with, he told me a story once that a car trader in Cardiff, I've had a lion or a tiger. I've done a bit of research and I've looked into it. And there was a trader down in Penarth who I've had a tiger or a lion in the garage. <laughs> I don't know whether it lived there or wherever. Yeah, many stories like that. Well, I mean, what an awful thing to do to you know a wild animal like that. It just shows you how indulgent people are. But yeah, that sort of thing did go on, and you know does go on. And sometimes it's unlicensed, and you people don't know. It's very difficult to police ownership of exotic animals, isn't it? One thing having licenses, the other thing is checking up on them and knowing who's actually breaching the law. 
Yeah, so I've got snakes. Uh, me and my friend, we've got a couple of snakes between us. And you know, if I if I add something like that, for me, I'd want to give it the best I could give it, the most amount of space. We look after them. I think have a cat like it's like where do you learn how to look after a cat which grows into a big cat where do you learn how to look after it and what it needs and the amount of space it would have and it's like if people have got them I think it's definitely like a status thing you know but like even in a zoo if you see them in a zoo it's not enough space really is it like like long leap and stuff I've seen lions here and I think they got a decent life they're well looked after but like some zoos I just think it's too small and it's like I should imagine they roam miles and miles and miles and, and they're just stuck in four walls, if you know what I mean, without being stimulated. In terms of keeping snakes, I mean, with energy prices going up, do you think we're going to see more discarded and dumped snakes and more people struggling to keep reptiles? Most definitely. What I would say with the snakes is, again, you know, before I had some, I would do my research and it wouldn't just be a two-minute thing. It's like, how oh, I come across the first snake, I rescued it. It had a big burn on it. I rescued it. I looked after it from there. I didn't even like snakes, to be honest. Not like it would hurt them or nothing, but, you know, I didn't think I would ever own one. And then from there, then my mate was into reptiles. And again, he'd had a bearded dragon, which passed away after a few years and, you know, always looked after him. And if you have some, and you should look after it. And, like, again, like a boa constrictor, they can grow to nine, ten foot. They're a big snake. And, like, if one of them not even bite you, just constricted, it was, like, you haven't been educated to have that. I just don't understand how the pet shops. And I'm I'm a buyer, you know, I buy snakes. Not to sell on, I think. As as pets, you can just go to the shop and buy one. No questions asked. It is quite a responsibility to give them a good life and to look after them responsibly. Yeah, and again, like same with cats, obviously. I don't you know if it's a money thing or like a status thing. And it's like, once you've got so much money, you just like, I've had a dog, I've had this, I've had a Ferrari. And it's like, I want a cat. <laughs> Back to this thing about cost of household domestic energy. Do you think that's going to make it very much more difficult now for a lot of people to keep uh, reptiles and snakes? It could do. It's like, if people's got a big collection, like when I say we've got a few snakes between us, there's four snakes. We both work, you know, if we if I couldn't afford the electric and I ever thought I couldn't afford the electric, I wouldn't have made that decision. It's like they can live for twenty years. So for me I've made that decision to look after it. But most definitely, you know, some people who's vulnerable and can't afford you know, it, it happens. And like I I've had a snake given to me which people couldn't look after tidy and the setup was wrong. And like since I've set him up right, you can see he's thriving, he eats every week and it's like I don't think people mean to do it sometimes. Some people do, but if you're forced in that position, I just think they don't want to get rid of them then and they, they're mistreating them, not because they, they mean to, because they just haven't got, can't afford to look after them instead of giving them to some way where they could look after them. For me, I just think before you have some, just look into it and like do your research. It's like with my dog, I've got a big dog. I've always wanted a dog, but I, I race bikes. I used to, you know, I was, a, I was young. I wasn't a grown up. He's 18 months old now, so now I've, I'm old enough to make that decision to look after him. My dogs cost like £100 every 10 days to feed because I feed them raw meat. But I made that decision before I bought him and before I'd done all my research. I'd already committed myself to that. So if it came to me going out drinking or not having a fag, as silly as that sounds, my dogs would always come first. And if you do make that decision to have some go with people who've got stuff and learn how to interact with them and go that way around it and say it's just too easy to get animals <laughs> circumstances change in the family and they have to change yeah and it's not fair on the animals i should imagine if people had these cats as pets 
yeah, like when you said to me there was in scrapyards, and like I said, I seen that on a documentary before, and I and I thought possibly yeah. But of course, I think Adam, now that most of the ones that are seen now, and are very likely, I suspect, the one you saw, they're not discarded pets now. They're ones that have grown up in the wild, so they know the ropes, as it were. It's their land, you know. They are British cats, so it's a bit different yeah. now. I think we're we're past that. You know, I think the odd few releases have happened more recently and sometimes even escapes but i think largely we're looking at properly you know naturalizing cats that are grown up in britain now like now i've done research they are you know widespread pretty much all of the uk you know i'm not london town or anything but like at least most counties up, up north england or around the midlands like christian around leicester and around that area newark and nottingham and you hear stories, it's like a fish up Gloucester in Airyford, and you, you hear the odd thing, and it could be that they are everywhere. Yeah, living undercover in Britain without us even knowing. That's the only thing, they're breathing. It's been great chatting to you and hearing your views, and uh, good luck with the snakes and everything. Thanks ever so much for coming on Big Cat Conversations, Adam. All the best. Appreciate this. Thank you for your time. Just to clarify a point from our discussion with Adam there, for those of you wondering what his snakes are, well, they are ball pythons, or if you prefer, royal pythons. And we have interviewed another guest from South Wales, but we've run out of time for this episode. So we will schedule that one as soon as we can over the next two or three editions. For our next episode, we have a guest lined up from Kent in South East England, He's had two different sightings of two different large cats in parts of North Kent. He also has family in Alberta in Canada, and during his visits there, he has seen a mountain lion, so we'll get to hear about that incident as well. OK, on to our word of the week, and we have phenomenon. It's a word with mixed uses and mixed understandings, and yet it does get used as a label for strange topics, including for our very own big cats, as you'll hear in a moment. Phenomenon means something special and distinct, or an observable event. But one of the key definitions for our interests is this one, a fact or a situation that is observed to exist or happen, especially one whose cause or explanation is in question. In fact, the origin of the word relates to distinguishing people's experience from reality. So phenomena are the appearances which constitute our experience, Nomina are the presumed things themselves, which constitute reality. So we're going a bit deep there, but that's why it's a relevant word for us, perhaps. But our excuse for mentioning the word is because of a new book just out, The British Big Cat Phenomenon. It's by a good friend of the show, Jonathan McGowan. We heard from Jonathan on episode 9 of our podcasts, especially about his investigations in Dorset and his work there finding bone samples with potential toothpits on for the study at Royal Agricultural University. Jonathan is an experienced naturalist and he's had a life spent in the field observing nature close up, right from a young age. In learning that trade, he has got a great deal of big cat experience too. He's had a good number of big cat sightings and encounters, some of which we heard about on episode 9. I should mention that I was present for two of his other sightings, so I can vouch for them happening, although I think he'd regard them as lesser ones, because 
One was a jungle cat and one was a glimpse of what appeared to be a half-sized puma-like cat, so perhaps a young one. As soon as we noticed it, it bolted off into a huge Gloucestershire wooded nature reserve. We could hear the birds high up in the trees making furious predator alarm calls, signalling where it was going and perhaps confirming there was a large-sized predator about in the woods. Jonathan's book is available in four different parts, which you can buy individually or as a whole, and you can order them as printed copies or as electronic ones if you use Kindle or something similar. We've put a link to the book on our website under episode 79 on the references and links page. So good luck to Jonathan with the British Big Cat phenomenon. Okay, that's us nearly finished, so a big thanks again to our guests Kaylee and Adam. And a big shout out to Matthew in South Wales for finding and recruiting our guests. Our final thanks go to all the Big Cat Sightings Facebook groups, national and more local ones, who help to promote these podcasts. So thanks to everyone involved in those groups for all of what you do, and we much appreciate the links you send out for Big Cat Conversations. Righto, we're closing out now. As always, thanks everyone for listening. Please take care of yourselves, and bye for now.